Welcome to the Master It Podcast. I'm your host, Allie McGee. The Master It community is composed of individuals who want to show up as the best version of themselves every single day. We are dedicated to creating small, tiny daily improvements that compound over time for a massive transformation. We act with kindness, integrity, compassion, and grace to ourselves and others around us. We show up ready to learn, be inspired, and inspire others to be great. We lean into the discomfort of change and growth knowing we'll be better humans coming out of it, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. So glad to have you here, and let's get to it. I was hoping that you were recording. I'm sorry. I should have. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. I just got done crying. We had yeah. our... There'll be more. Yeah. Okay. Damn. I wish... Sorry, little pause, but I wish there was a podcast for all the pre-conversations before you hit podcast yeah. or like record because oof, that shit is so juicy. Oh my gosh. Those are like the real combos. I know. I almost feel like I, I sometimes just press record even before they get on and I almost feel like you should just cut those out and make them into like bonus episodes. Oh my gosh, that might be your thing. <laughs> I send mine off to someone, so I'm not I'm not there yet, but <laughs> I send it off to someone too, but he would do it for me where he would oh, say perfect. Oh, it would oh. be good. <laughs> okay, we'll have to get into it. Oh my gosh. Kind of what we were talking about for the listeners now to to kind of be caught up is following your heart and doing something because you know, just to catch everyone up to speed, I was supposed to move to Arizona, which is a lot of why Allie and I met. I think that's kind of why we met and like almost 30 connections. Yeah. But I was going to move to Arizona. I was so excited. Obviously, we had already kind of known each other through Instagram. And then it just... When I got there to kind of look at apartments and stuff because we kept having issues with our old apartment, it just didn't feel like heart-centered at all. It felt so out of our realm and not what we were looking for. We didn't feel like we fit in. Uh, We were trying to fit into this mold that wasn't us. Uh, My boyfriend and I, my partner and I are super... you know. We love to hike. We love to get outside. We have our own endeavors. I don't drink. I'm not a super big partier. Um, I love you know mental health stuff and focusing on that. I love reading. Like I wasn't meant to be in downtown Tempe or Scottsdale at all, and I didn't know that until I went there. And like you were saying, we try so hard and we spend so much time trying to fit into these molds that the society, our society creates for us. And we forget that truly what people love is our authentic and vulnerable and real selves. Like there's a reason you're not attracted to being a part of those gyms that don't align with what you represent as yourself. And I'm the same way. I'm wearing like a... I purposely bought this ginormous waffle shirt from Free People. And I'm confident in my body and myself, but I don't want to wear crop tops because I'm not comfortable in that. And it's okay if you are, but it's also okay for you to find whatever works for you and not try to fit into some mold just because the, the world and the society believes that you should be or you think that you should be fitting into specific mold. Oh, mic drop. And we didn't even get to good shit yet. Oh my God. But yeah, I'm just like, as you're speaking, I'm just like flooded with memories of like all of the ways that I tried to bend and mold, not only like my body, but like my personality, like how I would talk or who I'd hang out with or what I would do. Like I was just so wanting to be like seen and liked and enough for someone else. Like, hmm. Losing, you lose yourself in the process. Yes, because you never think you're enough. Like you, 
I experience this too. And I'm trying to meet new friends right now, Allie. Like that's so... It's if, if anything can make you feel fucking insecure, it's trying to meet new friends. As an and, adult. Yes, as an adult. So and, awkward. So awkward. You're putting yourself out there. You're in your mid-20s. You're like, I, I'm comfortable in who I am, but I still want to make sure that these people like me. And I find myself just getting so uncomfortable and so awkward and not being myself because... I've and even just the non-drinking part. This is a huge part of that. I feel like I I stopped drinking five months ago. I've been sober for five months and a couple of days now. And I went to you know a little get together this past weekend, meeting new people. Everyone's drinking, and it's so easy to get in your head and be like, God, I'm just so lame. Like I don't drink. I'm not cool like them. Like they're gonna think I'm so weird. They're gonna think you know da 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 da. And like, do you tell yourself all these stories? And then the second you just say, I don't drink, and everyone's like, All right, and then everything's fine. It's like, Oh, when I own who I am and what I do, and when I'm proud of that. They don't fucking care. They like they like me anyways, you know. Mm, but if you would have said that in a different way of like, oh, like I'm not drinking right now, it's like then people give you the opportunity to like push your boundaries. Mm-hmm. But when you stand in your worth and your power, it's like, no, I don't drink. It's just you know you're so confident about it. People respect that and they honor that, and then they like reflect that back to you. So it's like, oh, she doesn't drink. Like I don't even try and pressure her into doing all these things. Because it's just who she is. Right. And and even for people out there who don't want to drink, if in a particular moment, maybe there are times where you do drink. I, I love what you said about saying it in a really clear way. So instead of just being like, oh, no, thank you. Like, yeah, no, no I'm okay. That's when people can push your boundaries, right? But if you say, I don't want to drink, period. No reason otherwise. Like, I do not want to drink. Thanks for the offer. No, thank you. I think that gives, like you said, people just respect it right away. I have found since I stopped drinking that people have been incredibly respectful of my boundary of just me saying I don't drink. They can't push back on that because I don't do it. And it's just like saying, I don't run. You're not going to force me to run. I don't want to do it. And I... I also don't run. So yeah. like, these are things that if you don't do something and you know in your mind, and I'm a huge believer in setting your standards and just sticking to them, then people are going to respect you for that. And you are more sure of who you are. And you can own that too, which is so comfortable as well. Mm, I feel like it can be really hard to get to that point though of where you're so clear. Because I know I've like dabbled with like a lot of used to be a big old stoner used to like go out and party all the time like I've done things and it's always been to the extreme so now that I'm pulling back and not on that side it's definitely taken time to get there how did you kind of get to this point what did that look like for you oh Allie I'm so glad you asked this question it's crazy because this last week and a half or whatever since we kind of settled down I've been working on a workbook actually. And it is centered around this exact thing. So it's going to release soon. I don't know when this podcast is releasing, but this will this po- or this workbook will release. It'll be like 5 bucks. It's going to be super cheap. I'm not an expert by any means, but I've had my own experience of being at rock bottom and building myself back up. And you don't even have to be at rock bottom. It can just be this sense of, I want to figure out who I am and not even just I believe in not finding who you are, but creating who you are. So to back everything up, 
on how and to answer your question. I was in an abusive relationship when I was in college. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, It's a very common thing for people to experience in general. And it can be very triggering to hear that as well, I'm sure. And so I'm with you. I understand you. Um, But I was in an abusive relationship. Of course, there's always two sides of the story, right? I did things I wasn't proud of under you know gaslighting manipulation. I was turning into a person that I didn't know who I was because of those things that were happening to me. Through that experience, I was broken down into this person that I I just didn't know who I was at all. I mean, this person was telling me who I was and then I was believing them and I was thinking that's who I was. And the person that they were telling me I was, was mean and, you know, um, an alcoholic and a, you know... (sighs) What I don't even know what it is, you know, devil hearted person. I was out of control. I was, you know, not loyal, not faithful, all these things that were simply not true. And so by the time the relationship ended, finally, for the final time, because as people who have been in abusive relationships understand, this can take a long time to really process through and to finally cut the ties and say, hey, I'm done. By the time it ended, I was, I was just sitting there and I was like, holy shit, who am I? Like, I don't even recognize myself. I have no idea who I am outside of this relationship. I've lost copious amounts of friends. My my familial relationships are completely damaged. I don't know what to do. And in those moments, you know, people always say, "Oh my god, you just got to go find yourself, right? You got to go take a trip. You got to go do this, you got to do that, like find yourself." And I kind of challenged that and and this wasn't an overnight thing. It was many conversations, many struggles, many hard times of figuring out, "Wait a second, I don't have to find myself cuz there's really nothing to find. I'm 20 years old. I have no idea what I want or who I am. I have just been abused for a year and a half." I need to create the person that I want to become. And a lot of that was gaining back the control that I didn't have in the relationship that I was in. I didn't have any control in who I was because this person was telling me who I was. And so by owning and saying, I'm going to create who I am, I was taking back that control. And so what a lot of that was, was um, figuring out, like I said, those standards. So I would write down a lot of times, you know, what was I looking for in a partner? Because that was a big thing that was damaged, right? Was this lack of trust within a future partner. So I would write down, what am I looking for in a future partner? Uh, Who do I want to be? Like, who do I want others to see me as and describe me as? You know, a kind, warm, direct, you know, all these things. Like, I want people to know I'm honest, I'm authentic, um, I'm truly myself. You see what you get, right? I knew that I wanted to have a strong relationship with my family. I wanted to have good friends. I wanted to be a good friend. I wanted all these things. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to work out again. I wanted to move my body. I wanted to feel good. I wanted good mental health. And I wanted control of my life again. And so I wrote all these things out. I spent so much time journaling. And throughout time, you know, figuring out yourself, it just takes so much time because you have to try things. You got to go date again. You got to go get in fights. You got to go do things and figure out what you do and do not want, right? And so in this workbook that I have, um, a lot of it is figuring out, first of all, what are your standards? What won't you tolerate? What do you desire? What are your goals, your dreams? Truly, what do you want with your life? Um, What are some things that are hard for you? What are some things that are easy for you? What things bring you joy, right? Also, communicate communication preferences. This is a huge thing when figuring out who you are. Ever since the the stuff that I went through, I can't do yelling. 
any partner, any family relationship I'm in, no yelling whatsoever. And my family knows that. My my boyfriend now knows that because I've set that clear boundary. If you yell at me, I will shut down. Our conversation will go nowhere. And so let's try to figure out if you feel like you have to yell, just take a step back. We can walk it off. There's times where I feel like I have to yell, but yelling doesn't work because it triggers a response in me and I shut down. So it's really about, Allie, to answer your question longly in a shorter way... It's about writing your story, knowing who you are, what you've gone through, owning all of that, and then desiring who do you want to become. And that starts with standards, boundaries, really being stuck and sure of this is who I am and this is what I want to represent and then going from there. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm so obsessed. I can't wait to get my hands on it and share it with everyone. I'm so freaking proud of you because it does take so much like you're truly turning your journey into um, a message and a powerful piece that will definitely help people. And I can't wait for it. It was taken to a whole new level. And it's kind of like you're saying too. I mean, it's turning your beauty and your struggle or your struggle into beauty and like things you go into like helping others. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. From a life filled with anxiety, always being in a constant state of worry and unable to regulate my emotions, therapy has helped me turn my life around in the most positive way. After working with a therapist, I no longer am paralyzed with anxiety and can truly show up as the best version of myself each day. And when those moments of anxiety do fizzle up, I now have the awareness and tools to handle it with confidence. I'll tell you this, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news, therapy works. You might be asking, what exactly is therapy? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships, struggling to find a work-life balance, or not dealing with stress well. If this is the way you're feeling, you are not alone. These are normal human struggles that we all go through, so don't feel ashamed if this is you right now. You deserve to be happy and feeling good about your life. The best part? Help is easier and closer than you think. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you can get help right from the comfort of your own home. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. With thousands of therapists to choose from, you're sure to find someone who feels aligned with you. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Master It listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash master it. That's betterhelp.com slash master it. Link is in the show notes to get started today. I love that you mentioned that um, you get to create your own life and dream up these opportunities because I think when you're in that rock bottom position, it can feel hard to dream or at least that you can be in a different situation, a better situation than that moment. How do you then take small action steps towards then becoming that person who you want to be? You know, because I think action, um, inaction breeds a lot of anxiety. Action can be scary though. So like, 
you know, how do you balance out like what's hard, what's easy? Like, how did you take those approaches to get to where you are today? Because you've had massive, massive growth. You know, you've been through so much. What it share what that looked like for you? Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. And it's so multifaceted and and different for everyone, right? And a lot of what the workbook I, I say as well is that this is not going to change your life overnight, right? And knowing these things about yourself is not going to immediately be like, oh, and now I am changed. Like, like you're saying, action is the next step. And how do you take the action? Because you can't create your life and create yourself and create who you want to become and be stuck and, and really sure of that without action. And I don't think I'm ever going to be done. I, I really think I'm constantly creating who I want to be and I'm constantly having new ideas. Six months ago, I never imagined I would have a workbook by any means. So that's things that just... They come as time goes on and things that you feel that you can take action towards, right? Um, my biggest thing is knowing those boundaries is going to be step one. So if there are certain things that are putting you off or there's certain people in your life that aren't serving you, like your first action step is going to be setting those boundaries. And truly, that's the hardest part. Yeah. And then setting boundaries with family, I think is really, really hard. Friends is really, really hard. I think colleagues is a little easier. It's one step removed. But you know, setting boundaries with people very difficult. Do you have any tips? Like what are your best practices? What are your favorite things to do to help kind of kickstart that and like snowball that process? Because for someone who myself had zero boundaries, it can be hard to start creating them and then upholding them and honoring them. Because I feel like when we don't honor them, that's when we lose ourselves. Yes. Oh, it's so true. And I'm not a boundaries expert by any means. I'm still practicing and still working on it. But I have found that knowing what is, you know, best for me is helpful because those who love you will want to support whatever is best for you. And so, you know, for example, the first boundary I had to set was you can't yell at me, right? So my dad and I had gotten in this big fight shortly after that I had gone through this, you know, relationship and I shut down when he yelled at me and he didn't understand. He had no idea why that was happening. And I had to be brave enough to say to my dad, dad, you, you can't raise your voice at me. I know that's hard. My family's yellers. All of them are yellers. Shout out to my family, but they're all yellers. And yep. that's how they've dealt with problems my whole life. We used to yell all the time when I was little. And so my dad didn't know. He was like, I, I've, we've always yelled. <laughs> that's always how we've gotten our point across, right? And so for me to say like, hey, this is what I went through. Here's why I'm setting this boundary, which technically you don't even have to tell someone why. But if you respect them and you love them and you want to let them know like, hey, this betters me for this reason, I would really appreciate it if we could you know, set this clear boundary. And you tell someone, I'm setting a boundary. I don't want to be yelled at. And if you need to yell, here's the things that you could do to you know, go against that. But like you're saying, having no boundaries is so dangerous for your mental health. It is... You're not protecting yourself. You're not setting any standards. And also, people don't know how to talk to you. I respect boundaries so much. We have a friend here in Salt Lake. And even just on the small side, we're talking to him about just, you know, when you want to hang out, like kind of figuring out like a cadence of like, how often do you want to spend time together? Things of that nature. And he's like, to be honest with you guys, I don't like to hang out on weeknights. I'm like, great. 
I can appreciate that you just told me that. So I know anytime that we have something going on on the weeknight, we're not going to text you and we're not going to expect anything from you during the week. On the weekends, we'll invite you to everything and we'll see if you want to come. But that way, you're not letting yourself down. That person isn't feeling stressed about anything. Like I feel so clear in our friendship because he said that. So when you're worried and, and scared to set a boundary, I think the first thing is understanding and knowing that not only is this going to better you, but it's going to better your your relationship with that person because they know exactly how to communicate with you and exactly what is best for you. Mm, Yeah, no, that totally makes perfect sense. I love that so much. Because then I think when you set and honor that boundary and you uphold it, like just like you said, the right people, it filters people, right? Like the right people honor and respect it. And then the other ones kind of give you backlash. And sometimes it's like a little shady of like, oh no, come on. Like, it's like they kind of pressure you into it. But if you're so clear on your boundary, it would really turn you off if someone did that. Like, why would you overstep that? So it's really interesting um, that you say that. But I love this example because it's so perfect about how you can set and honor boundaries with friends. Because I know that's a huge thing. Like for me, honestly, Monday through Friday, like I'm locked in. I'm thinking about work. Like I don't want to go to happy hour. I don't want to do these things. Um, Not like I I act like I go to happy hour and I've been sober for like two years. (laughs) Um, Like half off apps is really what I'm looking at. Hey, that's still happy hour. You're happy. Yeah, I'm happy as a motherfucker with some mozzarella stick. Price, let's get it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, but it really like it sets and honors that boundary. So I think it's, uh, I love that you're having this conversation and it's cool that we're having it now because, you know, I talked to some colleagues and they're like 35 or 40 and they have families and kids. And a lot of these, issues come up and then they see it manifest through their kids, which is wild to me. Mm -hmm. And then now you have to, you know, not only worry about yourself and your mental health, but like, you know, for a family and more people. So it's, I think it's cool that we get a practice now and look at it like a practice because kind of like I'm lame, but I always come back to yoga. It's always a practice, right? It's not a meditation perfect. It's a meditation practice. Um, So like setting these boundaries is a practice. So, you know, we won't be perfect. And that's the best part is we realize, oh, that triggered me this time. And like, it can be, you know, um, great to use as positive feedback for the next time of like, okay, next time we set that boundary because it causes a trigger. I love what you're saying because I think so many people are seeking advice and they're trying to learn things and they're they're we're all seeking perfection yeah. all the time, right? And if anyone is listening and is thinking like this podcast is going to change my life, right? It's not. Nothing is going to change your life except for you, right? Like you can change your life, but then tomorrow or next Tuesday, you're going to have a shitty day and you're going to have to start all over again and that's okay. It's Everything is a journey and life is a journey. It's never perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And if you're trying to get to perfect, you're not going to get it. So just start accepting that you're on a journey that everyone else is on too. And even if you see people on social media with these so so so-called perfect lives that a million friends and they're going out every weeknight and doing all these things, likely they're burnt out. They're exhausted. They're doing all these things because they think they have to, not because they have boundaries where they're saying, I know that my joy exists within the four walls of my home. 
during the weekdays. And then on the weekends, I'll go out and socialize. But I also appreciate time with this person alone. Or I appreciate my reading and my journaling time. Like We are here to live our lives for us and to make our lives manageable and appreciative for us. And everything that you do is a journey and a practice. You're never going to be perfect at it. Allie teaches yoga. She's never going to be perfect at yoga, right? Never, ever. You're okay with (laughs) it. it. Yes. I feel like it's once like you accept it, um, then it's okay. Like for me, like I love like to take creative, messy action. Like that's, I have to word it like that because otherwise I get paralyzed by perfection. Um, I feel like a word vomiting, word vomiting Brené Brown over here, but it's okay. Um, you know, because like taking messy action gets us further and further than thinking about the perfect plan or just or being confined in this box or, you know, on the other end, trying to do the most for everyone else and flexing on the gram for people who like you don't even give a shit about. Right. And they're going to look at your thing for like two seconds and like it. And then they're going to forget, right? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? You ruminate on like, like, do I look okay in this? Do I... Am I you know, writing the perfect caption? Am I doing all this stuff? It's like, I frig, I don't remember half the things that other people post, you know? Because I'm spending so... We spend so much time thinking about ourselves that we're yeah. not even thinking about other people, which is kind of an issue, right? Like we should probably be spending a little bit more time thinking about other people, but we're selfish creatures by nature. Human beings are selfish by nature. And so we're not looking at, you know, all this stuff or people are not looking at your social media and being like, oh my God, I can't believe that Allie posted that again. All right. You know, it's like, you could probably post the same post three times in a week and no one would know because they're not paying attention. (laughs) Yeah. We're so consumed in our own head and our own thoughts and our own worries and struggles. Like, I mean, it's funny you're saying this because even today I was like, oh, I had like two mental breakdowns today. Like I had to, I got pictures back from a photo shoot that I did, but I saw them. I sent them to my uh, social media gal and I was like, I hate them all. Like I can't, but you know, it was just like, I was in my head and I was just going off and just tearing myself down. She's like, Oh, I really like them. And I was like, Oh, oh yeah. Okay. I'll be done now. Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's everyone though, right? We're all caught up in our own head. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't know, the less that I worry about myself and my image, like in the more that I turn and focus on everyone else in serving, right? Yes. It shuts down, like minimizes the anxiety. And like, I feel like I fulfill my service and purpose and passion and, you know, mission and vision and all those things. Um, but it's like when I get wrapped up in my own head, my anxiety is so terrible or like my body image is so bad. Yeah. Like that's when we start to like self-neglect and be so mean and nasty to ourselves. Yes. And we are... I was talking about this with my friend the other day and I'm actually reading... I don't know if you've read... um, Oh, what's it called? It's by Jenny Allen. It's like, get out of your head. Oh, no, I haven't. But I think I know that what the book cover is for sure. Yes. it's um, It has a little bit of religious text to it. Yeah. I'm not bothered by I'm I'm spiritual and I don't, you know, regularly go to church, but I'm I think it's still a beautiful concept and and her, you know, everything that she shares in there is so good. So um, but it's all about this idea that we are so incredibly hard on ourselves. Like we are the worst our worst critics. We're and I am chronically so hard on myself. And when you said that thing about perfection, 
I, I resonate with that so hard. I always have wanted and want to be the absolute best at everything that I do. And I've always thought I'm not competitive, but I'm realizing now that I really am competitive because I want to be the absolute best. And I wasn't a sports girl. I wasn't, I didn't really feel that way when I rode horses or anything because I knew that I didn't have a lot of control in that. But if I can go to my, you know, nine to five job and be incredibly great at my work, or I can do the it's hard stuff and I can just be so incredibly good at it, I want to be the best I can be. And in result of that, I'm so hard on myself and I'm constantly constantly, you know, thinking and nitpicking on all the things that I do wrong. And I resonate so much too with what you're saying about body image. I'm a recovering, you know, I recover from an eating disorder. I was diagnosed when I was 17. I have major body dysmorphia and that causes a lot of anxiety. And we've talked about this, you and I, with yoga. I love yoga. It's so healing. But for a long time, I had a horrible relationship with it because it was in alignment with my eating disorder because I thought that was the only way for me to lose the two inches that my fucking you know, model agency told me I had to. So we are so hard on ourselves. And that's that is usually our biggest problem. Because like you're saying, your social media intern is like, you look great. I love these photos. And that's the truth. People don't care what you look like. They care about who you are. And social media has led us to believe that what we look like is the most important thing. And it's not true. Be the best person you can be and love others with the most and utmost respect and kindness. Do all the things you're doing, Allie, for the world and serving others. And that's what shines through, right? Like, I don't... I don't give a shit what you look like. You don't give a shit what I look like, but we love each other because we've had great conversations and we've helped each other through so many different things. And that's what life's about. Yes. Oh my gosh. You are just preaching and I love it. I heard this quote from my colleague and she said, my body is the least interesting thing about me. And I was just like, it's got chance. Like, Right? Because I'm just like, if you think this is good, wait till you see what's between these ears. Like I got some dry humor. (laughs) Sometimes my jokes are on point, but you know, hey, there's so much more to us, you know? And I want to, you know, share with you from the kind of opposite perspective um, with that because I think so so often, you know, we're like, oh, I don't look like enough, right? Like I'm so worried about my my outward appearance and I want to show people, you know, what is on the inside and hopes that that'll make up for what I look like on the outside, right? And something I had experienced when I was younger, um, which caused a lot of, you know, insecurity and just anger, and it still does to this day, is I was judged for the way that I looked because... I I don't want to say this in a way that sounds cocky or anything. I'm trying to... I was modeling at a young age. So I was seen as, quote unquote, attractive or the ideal. I'm 5'10", I'm blonde, I'm all these things that people say in the media is what you would look for, right? And I would always be called beautiful and stunning and gorgeous. These adjectives were used to describe me. From the time I was like three years old, my mom tells me the story all the time of like, this woman said, you had the most beautiful eyes she's ever seen. And you were so beautiful. She knew you were going to be beautiful. Like It was all based on my outward appearance. And when I reached a point where I realized that my brain was pretty cool and that I, I had a lot going on that I wanted to share with the world and that I had wisdom to share, I got really frustrated by people who would dismiss me based on my appearance because I fit some sort of mold that is 
tends to be dismissed maybe more out of like personal insecurities or assumptions made by people that I'm not nice, I'm not kind because of the way that I look. And so that to me has been something that's been really hard to break of I... And that's a big reason why like I don't wear as much makeup anymore and I don't do all these things because I don't care to be the prettiest person in the room. I care about being the most loving and caring and kind and you know smart and all these things. Those are what matters deeply to me. And so it's just such a big... Even when you think somebody has it, and it's like they got it, you know. She's got it, which is what people used to tell me all the time before I started. It's hard. You you still have it together. I'm like, I'm having a fucking mental breakdown in my bedroom, and you don't even know because I'm not telling you that on social media. I'm posting a perfectly edited photo of myself, and I look great. But behind the scenes, I feel like ass. And so it's just even when you think someone's got it, they don't always got it, and that's okay too. Yes, because we're just human. Like, I don't think people give themselves enough grace. So then they kind of project that onto others. Like, if you can't give yourself a break, like, there's no way I can let you slip up or, you know, do anything and that'd be okay. Like, because I was that person, I couldn't give myself a break. I couldn't give other people. I would just, you know, it's another notch. Like, like, and that would just be me holding grudges. And it's like, what kind of friendship is that where you just can't, like, let people exist and be human. Now you're keeping score. Like, yuck, that feels gross. Yes. It's like, treat yourself the way that you treat others too, you know? And, and how do you want to be treated? I mean, everyone always says that. Your mom says that when you're little, treat people how you want to be treated. It's like, it's true. Like you want respect, you want grace, you want the things that, you know, you would hope for other people. And so give that to others too, because you receive what you put out into the world all the time. Mm, All the time, all the time. I feel like a lot of this practice didn't come without lots of therapy and all this super fun stuff. Um, And a lot of you know, practice and work on myself. Um, it seems like you've done a fair share yourself and obviously it's stemmed and manifested into something really great. What's your experience with therapy been? Because I kind of want to just debunk like the scariness about reaching out to find a therapist. It's to me, I, I look at, at it as like dating, like you kind of got to date around and find a therapist um, who connects and jives with you. But I think it's so doable. I think counseling and, you know, doing anything to tend to your mental health is so, so, so important. But I think taking that first step can be really scary and really, really hard. Like, where the fuck do you start? I get this question a lot. (laughs) Yes. I have so many thoughts on this topic um, because I'm clearly so passionate about it. My first thought is therapy is cool. So don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Therapy is cool. Yes. And you don't have to go to therapy because something is just because something's like quote unquote wrong with you. Like you can go to therapy simply because you just want to help yourself. You want to understand yourself better. Like my biggest thing that I've experienced through through my journey with therapy, and I'll tell you kind of how I got into it in a second here, is that I've learned so much about myself that I wouldn't have been able to learn unless I went to therapy. 
And that's the most important thing, right? Like if you want to be the best partner, you can be the best, you know, daughter, the best friend, the best person in general. You need to go talk to someone who can help you get to that point who's professionally trained. They're not there to just like fix all your problems, quote unquote. It's like they're not going to fix them all. You got too many, honey. So, you know, give up now. So it's more about figuring out how do I understand myself better, right? And to answer your question of kind of like how I got into this and how others can get into it, I will disclaim this by I am a very lucky one of the very few people in this world who has only had one therapist her entire life. And I know it's stupid. And I, I'm fearful Whoa. of the day <laughs> that I know I'm going to outlive her because she's she's a little older. I know I'm going to outlive her and I'm terrified. I'm like, what am I going to do without her? Right? I feel the same way as other people do when it's like, what do I do when I don't have a therapist? But my journey to therapy was really my parents brought me to therapy um, at a younger age. So I was I was 16 or 17. I was in high school. So not super young. No, but still, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And especially for our generation, a lot of our parents are not really big believers in therapy. And typically, you weren't really brought to therapy as a kid unless like your parents were going through a divorce or something and you were like told that you have to. So my dad was an alcoholic and you know he struggled with alcoholism, I should say, rather than he was an alcoholic. Um, and so by the time he quit, my parents had gone to this therapist. My sister had gone because she had had some you know bad relationships in high school and she was going through a lot. And then um, I was in high school and I was dealing with a lot of just like anxiety with friends, like social anxiety. I was unsure of who I was. It was causing a lot of just sadness and depression. And, and then on top of it, you know, just c- coming off of my dad quitting drinking and trying to heal our relationship. Um, there was just a lot there. And so my parents you know, brought me to this same therapist as they had. So my entire family has the same therapist, which I've heard is you know either really good or really bad. I don't care because it's great for us because I showed up to therapy and she knew my whole story. I didn't have to say anything. So she knew who I was. She knew my family. She still does to this day and it's so great. And so that was kind of my journey. So at the time I didn't really know, you know, the difference of like, oh, do I like this therapist? Like I just I built a relationship with her like she was my aunt or something, you know, and I love I love her so much. But if you're someone out there who is not as lucky as I and did not have that same experience, it is like Ali was saying, it's about trying many different ones and dating around, which can be the most daunting part of it and the most scary part of it. But committing to yourself in that space is one of the most honorable things that you can do for yourself. And it really ties into creating yourself and who you want to be. If you are really passionate about becoming the best version of yourself, you will take that time that... you know. Usually, you'd probably be spending like scrolling on social media or doing something stupid. Take that time and set it aside to find a therapist that truly works for you. Because that is one of the most healing things I've ever experienced. I'm very fortunate and privileged to say that I can afford therapy. I know that's also not very accessible for people. There are a lot of programs out there from nonprofits that exist. Um, So I would really recommend checking those out too. I know of one off the top of my head, it's in Minneapolis. It's called Washburn Center. So maybe even if you Google that and then you think of some that are near you or reach out to them and ask them for some that are across the country. Um, and then there's also things like BetterHelp and online counseling that are super affordable. My boyfriend does BetterHelp and he loves it. It's great. It's super easy. He can do it whenever, wherever. It's affordable and that works for him. And he 
he did that solely to better himself and to better our relationship and everything in between. So, and he's like the most perfect human in my eyes and he still does it, you know? So it's so, it's so frustrating that there's still a stigma around it, but there is. And I just want people to know that it might take time. It might take effort, but I promise you it's so worth it. And just find what's what works for you. Ask people what they're doing. Tell people that about your experience because we need to have more conversations about this stuff. Mm, uh, thank you so much for sharing. Like... So powerful. And I love that your boyfriend um, uses BetterHelp as sponsor of the podcast. So, hey, shout out. What, what? Sponsor uh, my podcast. So bad. Yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. Come on. God, yes. Okay. I, I know the people. We'll get your emails all, you know, situated. We got you. Um, you got to take care of your people, right? Um, yeah, of course. But yeah, no, I think there's, yes, this huge stigma around mental health and going to therapy and it being this weird thing but honestly like some of like the most crazy breakthroughs that I've had about myself and like what I'm capable of and I don't just finding yourself because I feel like when you deal with a lot of anxiety you are like almost like walking on gravel all the time it doesn't feel sturdy yeah so you're just like is this actually me or like do I really know um who knows? But when you go to therapy, it's like this mirror and it's reflected. And then it's this time and space, almost like meditation, where you get to pause and slow down and reflect of like, oh, how does that make me be- feel? Or I acted XYZ way and ooh, that that didn't, you know, f- sit well or that triggered me. You know, you just get time to think about your actions in with someone too who is not connected. They're a third party. There's because I think that's the problem too. Like a lot of people, and I'm so guilty of this. I want to run and just call my mom. Like every every single chance. Like she knows the answer, right? <laughs> um, but one, she won't always be there. Two, I need to make these choices on my own. So it's like, okay start here, start with therapy, start with the small ones. It doesn't have to be big, but over time you get better and you feel more confident and you build that up. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're a different person. So I love, uh, I'm so so proud of you. So mm, your journey is just so powerful. So how did that all transform into the podcast then? Because you've had this journey and then now you come and you just talk about all this hard shit and it's glorious for everything that you do and you put out and you create. Like, I love that these hard conversations exist because just like mental health and the stigma, we have to talk about it. Cause even like you see now my throat chakra is so blocked up, but like the more that we talk about it, like next year we'll get on here. We'll talk about the shit. It'll be all cleared up. So it'll be good. So share how, how'd your journey come about? Absolutely. And I want to say to like, for listeners and obviously people who listen to your podcast regularly, it's like, you're so lucky to have someone like Allie who just feels so much and like, Allie, you just like, I, I think crying is so beautiful. And I want people to stop saying they're sorry for crying. Like my therapist says the same thing. It's Shout my to Judith. <laughs> Judith. But my, my therapist tells me the same. So I, I kind of have a problem with crying that comes from like past trauma where I actually don't cry as often. And a lot of that is just because I was, I was uh, conditioned to be like the strong kid. So I was always told that I was like, 
the strong one. I was the easy child. I was all these things and I didn't cause a lot of issues when I was a kid. And so that manifested into me struggling with the ability to express my emotions easily when I'm in front of people. So like when my grandma died when I was in seventh grade is when I first realized like, oh, I, I don't know how to cry in front of people. It was my first real death. And I would only cry when I was alone in the shower. But like any other time, I like could not cry in front of my family or my friends. And so I'm and my therapist are working on like allowing me to cry and being around people who allow you to cry. And I think literally... <laughs> so beautiful to like cry and it's so easy to be like oh i'm so sorry i'm so you know it's like no fuck no like let her out you're a human you're crying it's so cool to cry and it lets other people be like oh shit they cry too cool like i can cry as well you know so first off just wanted to say that to answer your question though the podcast was really born from like i touched on a little bit earlier this kind of belief and essence of perfection. So people were believing and assuming that I was perfect and that I had it all together. A lot of that was in relation to my outward appearance. Um, I love fashion. So it was on top of you know my, my physical appearance. It was also then... I was always dressed nice. I, I just... Everyone thought I always had it together. Whereas this was shortly after the relationship I mentioned earlier had ended. So I was in this... Like deep despair of just my mental health is to shit. I have no idea who I am. And therefore, I can't take care of myself because I don't know what I want. And I don't know what I need. And I don't know what's good for me. And I'm relying on all these other people to fill my cup when that's not healthy because I need to be able to fill my own cup. And so I started posting these really long captions on Instagram. And this was like maybe now, probably almost 3 years ago. So that was back when like literally people would just post like a cowboy emoji and be like, hey, cool, you know, like a pretty photo of yourself. And then it's just like one little emoji. And so oh, I was the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. Uh, but now people are like tell fucking stories all the time on captions, which is beautiful. And but back then it was a little bit radical to do that. Like if you did a long caption, it was that like, the norm. Yeah. Like who is this chick? And also sharing your feelings on social media. Mm-mm. 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 That, it was not a thing at all. No one ever did it. And so I, especially not in my realm. I mean, maybe people were doing it. I just wasn't paying attention. So no one in college, I was in college, I was a senior in college. No one was doing that. And so I started doing that. I was actually a junior in college. And so I started doing that. And there were these long ass captions. And the first one I posted, I was like, this is really scary. Like I'm scared. Because I'm posting like, hey, it's a nice photo of myself. But hey, like I'm anxious. I'm upset. I think I've read the caption in, in one of my episodes before. But you can always go back and look at it on my personal page. Um, but I would share all this stuff. And at first, I was like, no one's going to read this. It, people are going to think I'm fucking weird. But I'm going to do it anyways. Because it feels right. It's what I need to do. I got like 60 comments and like all these DMs coming in, which has never happened. I mean, I have a very small following. It was not a big thing, you know, but it was all these people who were in school with me and who had been in my life. And they were like, we need to talk about this more on social media. Like social media needs more of this. And I was like, oh, so this is something that people desire. This is what people want. And so anytime it was like about at once a month, I would post a nice photo of myself. And then I would just do this long caption. So anytime I posted a photo of myself, people would expect that there would be a caption that would kind of have some sort of insight to it. I didn't know where it was coming from. It was all just like blurring out on the page for me. And it kept getting good responses. 
And eventually I, I kind of tired of like always being the one to share. And I wanted to start amplifying other stories because I realized that my story was very one-dimensional. It was my story, but there's so many other stories within our world that exist that I can't even relate to because I've never experienced them. And so I started, you know, kind of tossing around the idea of like, maybe I want to start a podcast. Because I love to talk, clearly. And so I kind of like tossed it around and eventually just bought like a $60 mic, talked to a couple of my friends who had a podcast, like, you should do it. This is a good idea. Um, and I would just pop the mic down and record with people. And I started sharing other stories. And now it's been, you know, like widows and it's been, you know, people like men with their experiences, people of color. I mean, it's just been like a, a wide, you know, uh, queer community, like a wide variety of different people that I can't relate to their experience. But I know that someone out there can. So that's really where It's Hard was born. And it's been almost two years now. It feels like a lot longer, but it's been almost two years. Oh my gosh. Ah. Uh. Beautiful. I love that. So cool. And look at how it continues to grow. And I think when you also like let go of that control, you let it grow in ways that you never thought it could. Kind of like this little workbook, like I know this is going to be, and I say little workbook because this is just the start for you. Um, There's so much more. So I'm so excited for you. Um, Oh my gosh. Here we go again. We got to wrap it up because I can't keep my shit together. Um, Can you tell us (laughs) where can we connect with you on social? Where can we listen to the pod? How can we best support you? Any fun surprises coming up? It's okay if you don't. That was just me wanting to be lurky. I love it. Um, yeah. So you can follow the podcast on Instagram. It's hard podcast. Um, also, I don't think I mentioned this before, but the name is totally intentional. My last name is Boner. It's hard. Also a mental health idea to it as well. So there's a lot of just... We have fun while talking about the hard shit in life. So don't worry. No shortage of fun. Um, and so that's where a lot of like my, my Instagram is really just my authentic self. I'm fucking goofy on there. I'm embarrassing myself 24-7. So if you like to have fun... And just be a part of a mental health community. That's really what I'm aiming to build there. Um, we're on Twitter. I'm I'm not very good at posting on Twitter, but if you want to follow at It's Hard Podcast, TikTok as well at It's Hard Podcast. But Instagram is where we're the most active for sure. And then you can just listen to the podcast wherever you listen. It's just called It's Hard. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Simplecast, whatever you use to listen. Um, and then anything we have coming up. I mean, the workbook is coming out again. Well, I don't. When this episode comes out, and I don't even have an official launch date for the workbook, okay. so I'm tell you when. That's okay. <laughs> Just follow all her stuff, so then you'll never miss. Exactly. Yes, and I haven't told like anyone. I haven't even posted about it on my social yet. So, ooh, first, that's <laughs> your big secret. <laughs> you, you got it. I love it. I love getting secrets out of people. <laughs> Told you because I was like really scared. I mean, there's so many things I do where I'm so fucking scared all the time. So even if I post it, it seems like I'm confident. The likelihood that I was fucking scared is really high. So I'm really scared to post this workbook. And hearing you say that you're excited about it makes me feel like I do want to post it. And the fact yeah. that you asked that question in the beginning was so helpful. So that's <laughs> the big thing that's coming up. Other than that, there's just a lot of episodes coming out in the next few months. I did a lot of pre recording before I moved. And so we are just, we're delivering for the next. I love that. Yes. Every day. 
that's the, that's the time. Because I think more episodes, more podcasts need to come out on Mondays. Because Tuesdays, I'm like, I got too many to listen to. Yeah, for real. I know. I, I bumped mine over to Thursdays. I was like, I can't hang early in the week. I'm like, I'm trying to give myself some more space to relax and chill. And then a little nugget on Thursday. We'll end the week. <laughs> And mine is like Mondays are hard for people usually. I'm like, let's start your week off right. You know, it feels right. Feels yeah. on brand. On brand. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much, Paige. Ugh, I had such a wonderful conversation. I can't wait to get this episode out and continue to share all of your goodness with the world. Yes. Oh, Allie, it was such a pleasure. I feel like we're best friends and we have been for a while, but you're the best and you're so authentic and real and it's just so refreshing. So thank you so much for having me. 